Well, good morning again. Blessed Pentecost. It's a big day for the church. I want to let you know at the end, we're actually going to have some time. Ronnie Ladd's going to come up. We're going to have some time that we focus in ministry time to pray as a church for what's going on out there. All right, so we can worship with the word and then we'll address that. He had an emergency phone call that he had to tend to. I said, everybody needs Uncle Ronnie this morning, right? So we'll come back to that. It's good to see you. A lot going on in the world, huh? Seems like a timely moment to be looking at spiritual warfare. And the great thing is we know how the story ends. The Lord wins. The Lord is seated on the throne and he's not sweating anything. His heart breaks, but he doesn't wring his hands at all. He's in charge. He's the Lord of the church. And so when we come together as a community of worship and formation on mission with Jesus, we realize that we're at war. We're at war within, battling sin, and we're at war without, fighting the Lord's spiritual enemies. We're going to look at that. So if you want to look at your Bible, Ephesians 6, we'll have it on slides up here. We're going to look at Paul and spiritual warfare. The last couple of weeks, we've looked at Jesus and spiritual warfare. We looked at Jesus' teaching on spiritual warfare in Mark 3 and in Luke 10. And today we're looking at another one of those touchstone passages, this one in the the epistle to Ephesians. And he's wrapping up this six-chapter letter to them, and he's been talking about Jesus and through the cross, how Jesus brings people from all groups of people, Jews and Gentiles and everyone else, into one new humanity through his death and resurrection. And that through the church, the Lord is displaying his wisdom in the heavenly places. Ponder that just for a moment. We're going to look into this. But through us, through you, through me, through us collectively, through the church in this region, the church in the United States, the church in Iran, the church in China, God is saying, I'm displaying my glory, my majesty, and my wisdom. I'm putting you on display and my work in you on display for all the spiritual forces, good and bad to see. What a high calling we have. We're going to read uh, Ephesians 6, 10 to 20, and then I want us to look at four elements or aspects of spiritual warfare that inspire us to worship and they empower us in battle. Could we do this this morning? If you're able, let's stand. I want to stand like an army, like a bunch of soldiers. If you're able to, we're going to read Ephesians 6, 10 to 20. This is the word of God. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his power. Put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the wiles or the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. 
Therefore, church, take up the whole armor of God so that you may be able to withstand on that evil day and having done everything to stand firm. Stand therefore and fasten the belt of truth around your waist and put on the breastplate of righteousness. As shoes for your feet, put on whatever will make you ready to proclaim the gospel of peace. With all of these, take the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the spirit at all times, in every prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert and always persevere in supplication for all the saints. Pray also for me, so that when I speak, a message may be given to me to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it boldly as I must speak. Can I get an amen? Amen. You can be seated. All right. That is the word of God through the apostle Paul. The first thing about spiritual warfare that Paul points out here is it's about the Lord's power. And he says at verse 10, be strong in the Lord. And again, we saw with Jesus that his mind was so filled with scripture, he can't help but speak it. And the same is with Paul. He's actually quoting from Joshua 1, where the Lord spoke to Joshua and said, be strong and go take the land. And so the apostle Paul is looking at this young church in Ephesus, and he's saying, you're like Joshua. Be strong. The Lord is with you. It's by his power, his strength, that you can go forward. He said earlier in the letter, listen to what he said in Ephesians 1, 19 through 20, about the Lord's power. I pray that you may know what is the immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe, according to the working of his great power. Ephesians 3.16 says this, I pray that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant that you be strengthened in your inner being with power through his spirit. So Paul wants us to see, and he wanted the church at Ephesus in the first century to see that we draw from the Lord's power. Think about it. The Lord has oceans of power. His reserves are full He's overflowing with power and strength and might, and we get to draw from him. Paul says that is one of the secrets in spiritual warfare is that we are abiding in him. We're drawing energy and strength and power from him. We don't grit our teeth. We don't say, ah, I'm a soldier. I'm a warrior of love, and now I have to muster up the strength. No, we're drawing from him, and that's how we're strong. A second thing here, verse 11 he introduces the topic of God's armor, and he's going to come back to it in 13 and 17. So I just want to make a comment here. He says, put on the whole armor of God. Typically, we think of this is armor for us. But again, Paul, because his mind and heart, they're filled with scripture. He's thinking of God wearing armor. In Isaiah 59 and other places, it's God pictured in armor and going as a holy warrior to bring salvation to rescue his people. So Paul is saying the armor's God's. 
He's the one that wears the helmet and the breastplate and delivers his people. He's going to give it to you. But oftentimes we don't think about that. This whole passage, friends, is about God. It's not about warfare. It's not about the church. It's not about clever word pictures. This passage is about God and his son, the Lord Jesus, who rules and reigns and who's conquering the earth right now, not with a sword, but with what? Love. Sacrificial love. So this passage is about the warrior God. Why do we need the Lord's strength? Why do we need the Lord's armor? Look quickly here at verse 11, the second part, so that you may be able to stand against the wiles or the schemes of the devil. And again, we've got to remind ourselves, God is the one who enables us to stand. James 4, 7, 8 says this, Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. So again, it's the Lord's strength, the Lord's armor, the Lord's grace. And all we got to do is resist. Submit to the Father and resist. This word is interesting here. The wiles or the schemes. We actually get the word method from it. It's methodoia. Say that together. Methodoia. Greek word for the day. So Satan schemes. He has methods. I love C.S. Lewis's book, The Screwtape Letters, and it shows an older demon mentoring a younger demon and showing him the methodoia, the schemes. Let's study these human beings and work them over. Again, the focus here is not demons. We're going to look at this in a minute. The focus is God. God, in the face of all demons, gives us power and strength. 1 Peter 5.8 says this, and I do, I want us to take a moment because it's sobering to look at our opponent, our enemy. The Apostle Peter says this in his letter, discipline yourselves, church, keep alert. Like a roaring lion, your adversary, the devil, prowls around looking for someone to devour. Brad was singing about it. Our focus is on the Holy Trinity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We love you. We're your people. You love us. We're your children. Father. But it's wise to be aware of what's going on around us, isn't it? Would you agree? It's wise. So we're not fixated. We're fixated and centered on the Lord Jesus. But it's also wise to be aware. So I just want to read a couple of things that let you know the adversary, the enemy, who he is, so that we're on our toes. The Old Testament says in Genesis 1 and 2, and bear with me for a minute. Don't try to write this down. He's the serpent who deceived Adam and Eve. In Job 1 and 2, Satan his name literally means accuser or slanderer. He's the one who appeared in the presence of God and attacked Job and said, Job only loves you, God, because you're good to him. You coddle him. In Zechariah 3, 
Satan is the one who accuses Joshua, the high priest. And Yahweh says, the Lord rebuke you. I rebuke you. Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28 speak about this mystery. The fallen one, the devil, who's led a rebellion against God, Revelation later tells us. In the New Testament, the devil is the one who tempts Jesus to try to derail his messianic mission. In Matthew 9, Jesus calls him the prince of devils. John 8, 44 says that he is the father of lies. He's a murderer, and he himself is a liar. In Luke 22, we see that Satan enters Judas to betray Jesus, and the devil wants to sift Peter like wheat, but Jesus intercedes and stops him. Just giving you a taste here. Friends, there's a lot of this in Scripture. Why? So that we're vigilant, we're aware. We don't study the things of the devil, but we're aware of him. If we're in a battle, we need to know our opponent. In 2 Corinthians 4.4, he's called the God of this world. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 11.14 that Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. I'm almost done. 1 John 2 and 4 says that the devil is the antichrist. He's the one behind the Antichrist who propagates false teaching, tries to divide the church, and even claims to be God. Revelation 10, with his hands behind him and huge shackles on his ankles, and the shackles have worn through to the bone. So Brother Yoon is looking at him and seeing bone exposed, and he reeked of rotting flesh, and he tried to bite everyone that was around He was trying to bite noses off and bite ears. Sorry, that's a little graphic, but I want you to see the situation. So to make a long story short, Brother Yoon and these other cellmates of him that he had already led to Jesus, they surround Huang. And they rip their own clothing off and they take water, which is precious, and they begin to wipe his wounds and scrub his wounds with a little bit of toothpaste to help sterilize And Huang, who's filled with a legion of demons, has his eyes wide open looking at him, and he doesn't know what to do. And then they begin to share their food with him and give him extra water and love him. I want to read what Huang's response to all of this was. Within a few days, he's watching these Christians in the cell And within days, as they're singing and worshiping and reciting scripture, Brother Yoon says that the Lord told him to take bread, the only little bread that he had, and give it to him. So with my back turned towards Huang, I broke the bread and placed the pieces of bread in his soup bowl. Immediately, Huang's stony heart broke. He dropped off his chair, knelt down on the floor, and wept. He said, older brother, why do you love me like this? Why didn't you eat your bread last night? I'm a murderer, hated by all people. Even my own parents, my brother and sister and fiance have disowned me. Why do you love me so much? 
I cannot repay your kindness. Brother Yoon says, I knew it was the time the Lord wanted me to share the gospel. I told Huang, it's because Jesus loves you, friend, that we are treating you so nicely. If we didn't believe in him, we would have treated you the same way as all the other prisoners. You should thank God for his son, Jesus Christ. Immediately, Huang said, Lord, I thank you for loving a sinner like me. And this hardened criminal tearfully accepted the love of Jesus into his heart, and he was instantly released from his burden of sin. So friends, we're in an army, right? We are in an army of radical, sacrificial love, just like Brother Yoon. We may not be in prison. Some of us may at some point. We don't know. But we can love people radically. We can love those on the margins, the most demonized, the ones everyone else has written off. We can love them with this same kind of love. Not anger, not hatred, not fixation on the political system, but radical, sacrificial, cruciform love. The greatest martyr, Jesus. That's who we follow. Verses 18 through 20, we're not going to look at it. Actually, verses 13 through 17, I think we spend most of our time on these six components of God's armor, and that's important. But this morning, I wanted to shed light on some other things. So you can look at that. Look at verses 13 through 17. You can see the belt, the breastplate, these things, super important. And I would urge you, maybe over the next week, to get up and put these things on each day. Kids, you could get up, put on the armor of God. And he ends with this fourth point, verses 18 through 20, the weapon of prayer. Pray in the Spirit at all times. And he's telling them, you're filled with the Spirit. You're baptized in the Holy Spirit. You're anointed with the Spirit. Now pray in the Spirit. Not your own energy, your own power, but the resurrection power of the Lord Jesus. So with that in mind, Ronnie, would you come up? Let's pray in the Spirit right now. I'm filled with hope today. Man, if you're not a believer and you're out there and you're immersed in CNN, Fox, MSNBC, boy, it's depressing. I'm filled with hope. It's Pentecost, friends. There's other fires burning, as Jerry told me this morning. It's the fire of God's love, the fire of salvation, the fire of the gospel. So, Ronnie, I want you to lead us in prayer. Will you, brother? Thank you, Brock. Man, I want to begin by saying I am going to continue to take the red pill. I had never heard of that, but, but I'm putting that in my things to do continually. Uh, wow, this is, uh, we're in some turbulent times, and uh, Brock has already preached, uh, but I would just like to uh, give us a few things to kind of uh, pray about. Um, I went to a... Uh, protest yesterday on 23rd in Classen, and I saw a lot of young people there, and um, I took part in the, in the protest, and it kind of, um, you know, it really touched my heart to see so many people that didn't look like me leading the protest. A lot of young people, a lot of white young people leading the protest, and I, uh, as they was passing by, I just kind of, you know, stretched my hand and started praying for them. 
that it would stay peaceful, uh, that they would demonstrate peacefully. But more importantly, I, I didn't want to sit on the sidelines because we, can, we all see that there are some injustices that are going on in our country. And I think we have to take the lead. The church has to take the lead uh, in stepping forward uh, to cry out against injustices. Just like it said in Proverbs 31, we got to cry out against injustices. You know, we, we have a voice and we need to let our voice reign, especially the leaders. And I, I'm calling on uh, every leader, every leader uh, to take the lead, to, to stand forward, you know, to come front in the front and take the lead because every voice needs to be heard in our country. But more importantly, I pray that God's love will prevail, that it will supersede evil. You know, I'm standing on the word of God that his love will prevail. And more importantly, that God's love will penetrate the hearts of all people who need to know him, who need to experience his love. I want the gospel to resonate in the hearts of people all over the country. Let me give some things that I would like to see us pray about. And I know, I know that we are still practicing social distancing, so uh, I would like for us to pray right where we are. You can huddle if you want to with the people on your row, uh, if you know everybody. Uh, whatever you feel comfortable doing, I would encourage you to do that. But I want to hear some things that I'd like to see us pray about. I think Brock has already mentioned the first one, that's repentance and that God's love will prevail in the midst of civil unrest. I would also like to see us pray for the George Floyd family, uh, who, uh, the young man that was, uh, whose life was taken unjustly. Pray for the two pandemics that are in our country right now, and that would be systemic racism and COVID-19. And I just ask us to pray for racism, not just in America, but wherever it exists, you know, wherever it exists. I also pray uh, for Derek Chauvin. How many of you know who Derek Chauvin is? Okay, pray for Derek Chauvin. He's a young man who had his uh, knee on uh, George Floyd. And I also pray for the other three officers who were involved. I wanna see God change the heart of everyone. So we can't ex exclude Derek Chauvin. And the Lord has also laid it on my heart uh, to have a prayer vigil in front of the Edmond Police Department as we did about four years ago. Um, I was interviewed by one of the local uh, news uh, reporters and, and I guess from that interview, I befriended some officers at, at the police department and I reached out to him and he's gonna try to set that up for me. So I, uh, the last prayer that I would ask is that you would pray for me that God would give me wisdom in how to lead and direct this prayer vision, and more importantly, that it would take place, that I would get a favorable answer. Is that okay? So, uh, yeah, you can go ahead and clap if you want to, yeah. Uh, let me read this verse, and then I'm, we're gonna go into a time of prayer. Open your mouth for the mute, for the rights of all who are destitute. Open your mouth, judge righteously, Defend the rights of the poor and needy. So people that don't have a voice, uh, you know, we can speak up for people that don't have a voice. Those who have been uh, unjustly uh, accused, uh, unjustly uh, treated, we have a voice to speak up for those people. So what I would like for us to do is, I'll lead us off in prayer, 
and I'm going to pause and let you pray, and I'll come back in the end and close us out. Or if you want me to close us out, okay, I'll come back at the end and close us out. Is that all right? So if you, if you don't mind, right where you are, and whatever God puts on your heart to pray for, you pray for that. I listed some things to pray about, but you pray about whatever God puts on your heart. Amen? And then I'll, then I'll close us out and send us out. So, Father, right now, Father, we just come to you boldly to the throne of grace, God. Father, you know our hearts. You know what's uh, seething on, in our hearts right now. So we ask that, God, that you would, uh, Father, just uh, come before us and make the crooked places straight. Father, you see the needs in our country right now. I pray for our president and his staff, God. I pray, God, that you would uh, give him wisdom. Father, that you would uh, give him uh, uh, the leadership that only you can give, uh, that he will lead our country. And Father, that you would just uh, uh, penetrate the hearts of everyone on that staff, God, even down to our local government, men and women who serve. I pray, God, that you would give each one of them wisdom. Now, God, I even ask that you would uh, touch the hearts of those who are right here in our own city, God, right here in Oklahoma City, uh, that we would step up, Father, that we would take the lead Father, people that don't look like us, that they will come beside us and lead, God, and help us bring peace, help us bring unity in our own city. God, I pray for the people in Minneapolis, Minnesota, those in St. Paul, Minnesota, God, that, they, that the civil unrest, God, will cease and that your love will prevail, God. Father, hover over that entire state, God, and bring peace to those who are leading, God. Give them wisdom. Give them understanding, God. Father, I pray, God, that you would turn their hearts to you in these turbulent times, God. I pray, God, that the civil unrest will come to a halt, God, and that people will get on their knees and seek your face. And Lord, I even ask that you would uh, touch the heart of Derek Charbon, God, and his family, Father, that you would penetrate his heart. Father, that somehow, way, you would let the gospel uh, get to him, God and change his heart. Father, I pray that you would change the hearts of men and women all over this country, God, and let your love prevail. Give them your supernatural peace, your supernatural love, God, and let your love prevail. In Jesus' name.